Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. Uh, I am James McSorley and I am joined as always by either Mark or three children in a very long coat. Mark, how's it going? It's going good, thank you. I can confirm I am not three children in a very long coat, but shout out to anyone who gets that slightly old reference at this point. You might be, but yes, uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us again for what will be the podcast equivalent of the last week in work where you try not to do anything. I don't know, I've never had a real job or <laughs> the last week in school. Um, yeah, gather around, don't expect too much and maybe watch like Shrek on DVD or something yeah. instead of listening to this. The the last week of school thing where everyone had brought in a DVD they wanted to watch and then so nobody was left out, you would go from like class to class and everyone would get a bit of a crack. So instead of watching one movie through the course of the day, you would watch like the first 45 minutes of four different movies. <laughs> it was like, cool, this was beneficial to no one. Yeah, to be fair, I think maybe the biggest barrier to my enjoying of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the fact that that happened to me once and I've watched one hour of the first Iron Man. And then I didn't <laughs> want to go back because it hadn't got me in yet. And I hadn't finished it, so I well, feel like I can't move on. You turned out to be the winner on that one because they're intent on making it gradually worse with every passing movie at this point. So yeah, I feel like they finished, and then like I feel like they, I don't know, like with Endgame. I think like, if you call something Endgame, I once again haven't seen any of these apart from like I've seen two of them maybe. But I feel like when you finish something, and then your boss's boss is like, "Hold on, yeah, we sold." billions of tickets what do you mean you're done hang on there's barrels to be scraped here yeah there can't what do you mean there's no more men in tights figure it out (laughs) find some more men find some more tights find three men in a long coat right Um, speaking of barrels to be scraped shall we speak about this weekend's games yes and this is going to be quite a struggle because i feel like the people who did the stats for these games were very much watching dvds instead of doing <laughs> schoolwork for the last week also i need to know if that was a universal experience if you are listening to this and not from the uk or ireland please please confirm that the last week of school was always just like doing nothing and watching dvds yeah there's going to be like what country would you put your money on for people to get in touch and be like, yeah, we worked studiously right up until the bell on the Friday, and Friday wasn't even a half day. We stayed till the end of school. Um, is it too easy to say German? Yeah, that was what, I don't know, German, or I feel like this is where Mendel gets in touch. He's like, well, you know, in the Netherlands, we have the best school performances of everybody in Europe, and it's because of this. Yeah, I believe him. I yeah. believe in Mendel. Hi, Mendel. Thanks no, for listening. No, we're, we're like poking fun at this about the guy who's collecting university degrees. <laughs> like, so yeah, job done as far as he's concerned. Yes. All right. Let's talk about some basketball. So the first game of the week that we're going to talk about was Mercia 49, Illunion 73. So yeah, Illunion kind of just chipped away, chipped away, and then did the thing where they get to halftime and are like, right, come on now. Showtime. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there were seven up at halftime and they won like 24. Yeah. I think this was, this was really like half court versus transition for a lot of the game. Um, and yeah, Mercia did get some decent half court stuff, but I think, sorry, some decent transition stuff. But I think if you look at like Lalo and, um, 
Pablo's shooting percentages. They've combined seven of 24. Um, this was just like a size thing wins out. If Mercia weren't getting good looks early in the shot clock, they weren't really getting good looks at all. And meanwhile, the biggest guys on the other side, Bill Latham and uh, Hasso, were combined 16 from 25. And that's only really scratching the surface of like the the obvious matchups, but it just felt like Illunion got a shot on every possession and Mercia not a good shot on every possession and Mercia not so much. Yeah, exactly. Like, can you make your quality count against a team that wants to kind of make it scrappy? And they could. But even like Illunion, even in a game that was close for a while, rotated a lot. And I, you could say like rotating is trying to fight answers or you could say rotating is getting everyone in and out. But like everyone bar like one person here is in the plus and like you know it's not like oh no they messed about and then they find a certain lineup it was just like most of the lineups were a little bit better than Mercia for 40 minutes and then they Illunion taking 11 guys to the game as well and only having two people play less than 10 minutes is like pretty telling of what they were what they were trying to get out of this game and they kind of managed to strike the balance of getting to run out several different things and also not sweating the game massively. Um, We've kind of seen the third quarter thing from them before, but they even, you know, they pulled away and the stretches they pulled away and was even when Greg and Terry weren't really dropping a huge number of points. Uh, So Greg finished with 12, Terry finished with eight, but that was mostly in the first half. It felt like when it was a little bit choppier, and it felt like as they got rolling, it was the bigs inside on every possession, which is obviously a trickle-down effect of the presence of the shooters. But yeah, it pretty good sign for Lunion when you can say the two bigs are their top scorers and they don't really have to worry about what they're getting from outside relative to those guys' averages. Exactly. If they're that inside dominant, then they're probably in for a good game. Yeah, don't need to worry about it because you don't really need it, but also like you're getting double figures from a handful of other guys anyway, but like yeah. Um kind of thought this was going to be a game for a little bit longer, but no. Yeah, I, the- I I was thinking about the Alunian third quarter thing and obviously like you look at this it's not like they were losing at halftime, but like <laughs> did, did they do- my what my stupid thing was like did they do a halftime team talk at the start of the game when they played us or <laughs> like did uh Victor Ramos go all right so guys good first half but what we need to someone looks around and goes well but, but we haven't and then someone like Shh, just let it happen he's doing yeah. a thing but yeah I don't know like the I don't know I talk about in these sort of games with like a mismatch of styles like can you make can you make how you want to play the game more consequential than the other way around? And obviously Alunion have transition lineups, they have press lineups, and they have a lot of outside scoring, but like 46 points in the paint um says a lot. And obviously these are never started well, but six fast break points for Mercia. Like yeah. once again, that's probably not right. That's probably a little underselling it, but yeah, like you said it well, like and half court versus transition stuff and can you keep that can you keep the game going at the tempo that you want it yeah and also they, can you believe that they say there wasn't one three scored on either side of the floor 
Uh, I can believe it says that, but I don't believe that to be accurate. Terry definitely made one. Yeah, Terry made that daft one. I don't actually remember a whole lot apart from that, but there's a weird thing of like, how can you miss stat a three and have the score right? (laughs) That's that's something I don't understand. Like, do they have just like a... Imagine if you had an extra player at the bottom of the stats for, oh, we missed it, so that you could, like, make up the numbers. Yeah, like the on NBA 2K, where if you um, if you use any of, like, the legendary teams, you know, if you go back and be like, I'm going to be the 2008 Boston Celtics or whatever, it has, like, the first seven guys in the rotation, and then everyone else is just, like, placeholder white guy in headband whose name is, like, Sean Williams. Tom Smith. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um yeah, I wonder if all of them secretly have that. But have you ever used the stats program, like the FIBA Live Stats recorders? No. I have gotten this far into making a living of basketball, and I don't know how to stat. I don't <laughs> know how to use a scoreboard. Um, and at this point, it's because I'm embarrassed, so I don't want to try. <laughs> like, I don't want, like, if I had have just confronted this when I was 18 and being like, no, I actually don't know which buttons are which, like, can someone teach me? It would be easy because as far as I understand, it's not hard. But no, I've heard the stats are a little more complicated. Yeah. It must be because, like, people don't do them well a lot. Yeah, they are. But there's also a thing you can, like, as the game's going on, if you're standing, you can press a button that, like, is effectively manual override of what the other functions should do. So if like the score was down one point lower than it should have been, you can do like manual override, move this up by one, and it's supposed to flag it and be like, you have to come back and fix this when the game is over. Like you shouldn't be able to close the game off in that state. But I think there's a way around that is what I got told about it. So I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if that like, how did they get the score right when they missed out of the three was somebody being like, hey, let's just add a point on and come back to it later. And then the buzzer sounded and they were like, right, that's the... Week before Christmas, we're done. Yeah, to be fair, if you have to come back to it later, but you close the iPad while saying while saying, right, who's getting the first one in? Like I'm <laughs> sure some stats have to end up on the website. But anyway. Yeah, should we move on? Yeah, talking about <laughs> no, I'm not gonna do that. Right, <laughs> next game, Feral 53, Leganes 62. What yeah. in God's name happened? with the jerseys in this game. Yeah, this was like the war of kind of light blue on white. That um, has to have been Leganes forgot their kit, right? Yeah, well, you, I, I would dearly hope not, given that we're talking about a professional basketball league, but... Yeah, no, but like, they don't play in light blue. Like, their home and away kits, neither of them are light blue. Yeah. Like that has to... I don't know. Someone get in touch, please. I need to know. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what was going on here. But uh, what what are you like for games? Because I I was habitually the single biggest, most paranoid. I've forgotten my jerseys, like while driving for game, even though I knew for a fact I hadn't. So I don't know how we got to this point. I yeah no I I do a thing where like. I'll be going to a home games not as bad because you get there like an hour and a half before the game and yeah. you're able to like. Like, I still do it, but, like, you could probably sprint home and sort it out. But, like, on away games, I'll get to the bus and I will take both of my jerseys out of my bag and I will be like, look, and I will show someone else. and be (laughs) like, look, black, number 17, white, number 17, great. Or if you're going to the airport for a game, I'll bring my passport and I'll show it to, like, make sure it's mine. Because I have been 
I went to a game once with someone who accidentally brought their girlfriend's passport rather than theirs, and it yeah. was like, oh, for God's you sake. Say, you say show it to make sure it's yours. You do realize that's what you're meant to do at an airport, right? You're not breaking the mold here. Do you always, oh, but do you to a friend like, on a bus. Say, not do you too... really chuffed with yourself, and then the airport attendant is like, yes, sir, now please move. I have many more people to check in. Yeah, but no, like I know loads of people who've done that. Like, say you live in a family that put all their passports in the same place, and you just accidentally grab your wife's or your daughter's or your dad's or whatever. Like, I don't know who you live with, but yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the, when this game actually got going, like I was tempted to be like, I'm not watching this because it melted my brain. But yeah, this know, was, like this was like, a weird one, man. Um, yeah, I would have put like an A's as. Obviously, they won the game, but I would have put Leganes as a bit, like they're a bit more distance in between these teams. But I do wonder if playing against people who are in the same color as you might also be absolutely terrible. <laughs> it's one of those where you're like, I would have thought Leganes by 20 something rather than nine. And yeah. this might I, explain it. I think the it's a weird one because I think we've kind of established with the Leganes games that have been on recently, they're a lot better than they were. But there's there's a very real ceiling on how good they are against the top teams, but they don't strike me as the kind of team that gives away straightforward games. Um, yeah. This one was like, I think I checked the stats because I was watching the Mercier and um, Illunion game and then transferred straight to your guys' game, but... Uh, Ferrol were up like 30 to 29 at halftime, which granted isn't the end of the world, but like in place so slowly, it almost seems weird that they would let a less talented team get enough possessions to go up on them. Um, yeah, this but game everyone... was slow because like, I don't know, like I feel like Leganes are the best team that still play in that sort of like, get down the floor, everyone get to their spot. Don't worry, we will just like cross and cross and cross until someone finds a pick and roll somewhere, whether that's on or off ball. Um, Obviously, they've got a bit more going on than that. They have like real basketball players who are good every week in one of the best leagues in the world. But like, I don't know, 45 possessions against 43 possessions is grim. If you think the league average might be about 64 yeah, I mean, we should mention um, we should mention Leganes were missing both Philip Halfley and uh, Matias Mendes, who are probably two of their top five guys. Um, so yeah, they're a little bit shorthanded, but I think without Halfley, particularly, who kind of gives them a little bit of dynamism, this one really turned into a slog. Yeah, and both teams kind of relied on stationary shot making. Um, Obviously, the Christian Gomez model, although he wasn't great in this game. And there was like a stretch, I think, mid-second quarter where they both just dared each other to dump it to their lows and be like, hey, we'll have a which low pointer can finish their layups off best contest and the score might be 8-0 by the end, or like 8-6 by the end of the game. Um, But yeah, so it was, I wouldn't be rushing to recommend that anybody to go back and watch this, but... Yeah, man, Leganes took care of business and they've had a couple of tough ones against better teams recently. So at least they, I mean, I think losing this one would have been verging on undoing a lot of the progress they've made in the first half of the season. But yeah, business taken care of. And shout out to, in an ugly game, shout out to Cano with 
25 points on 11 shots so that's pretty good going yeah i was gonna say nine from 11 and like christian gomez didn't have a good shooting game but still managed to go 16 11 uh i mean 16 and 12 sorry um which is like in a game like this you'll you need i don't know you need a little bits like that but i think the thing of having less possessions like if you're playing a team that's hypothetically like 0.2 or 0.3 of a point per possession better than you and like that number might be way off because no one's done the work on this in the wheelchair game but like you're playing someone like that who you're better than by a little bit if you like in theory have a hundred more possessions you'd beat them by way more points so maybe in the same way that like and i slow it down so they have more of a chance when they play up a level maybe against a team like this, obviously missing Halfley, who gives them like all of their sort of dynamism, as you said, and a lot of that well apart from Kano. Um, and he gives them a lot of their sort of speed and their ability, ability to not just play in half court. Like, yeah. I wonder if they had gone, right, we're going to take 70 shots in this game. <laughs> not like, not getting to the point where you're taking dumb stuff that you don't train, but like, you know what I mean? Like, you're a little bit better than this team, but you only take two shots more than them. And I don't know. I just feel like playing really, really, really slow and minimizing that, like really, I don't know, that kind of plays into the hands of the worst team to a certain point. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, on the other end of the spectrum, just to mention uh, Lorenzo Embo with 30. Yeah, like what, what are we doing? That guy shoots stationary threes from behind his head, and it's great to watch. I'm going to say we've we've talked about this a few times in Spain. How there needs to be just like when players with certain similarities like cross each other in a game, there needs to be just everyone to the side, and these two like battle it out over their one skill. There did need to be a Lorenzo Embo and Christian Gomez. I can shoot difficult stationary shots better than you can. Competition. Yeah. But we'll I would love to see that. Like, just have like a little like bonus period of one-on-one stuff. But yeah, <laughs> right. Should we move on? All right, let's do it. Next one: Bilaiac Bilbao, eighty-eight. Econi Gran Canaria, seventy-nine. Right. Do you want to go? Because you were watching this. I was. Um, so this probably marked an important point in your guys progression as a team and it may be a little bit fitting that it came right at the end of the first half of the season but um, this was by a long way the best Asia and Papi combined game that you guys have had this year um, who I think anyone who's watched you would reasonably call your two most important guys mm-hmm. and yeah Papi with 30, Asia with 29 and they were tw- 25 of 32 combined shooting is pretty oh my god um, and yeah, you guys have you guys have lost a couple of games against kind of the top tier of teams. And I think this is maybe the model of if you guys have at least those two firing offensively, scoring certainly isn't gonna be a problem. You guys had eighty eight. Yeah. Um, it just so happened that you ran into one guy who was almost as hot as your two guys were combined. Um, so I'll let you go on this one because you were there watching this bit. Yeah, so, um, yeah, the game kind of hinged on. Alexi went nuts for them, and we had two guys that went nuts. This was, talking about Asia, this was like one of the like vintage 
you can't stop everything at Sierra Games, you know, where he's like, all right, so if you're not going to jump me, I'm going to take bank shots. Okay, you jump me. Um, I dribble low and get 14 assists throwing the ball inside. Are you going to jump me from low? Okay, I'm going to take two dribbles into the elbow and post up your your low pointer. Like, um, had a couple of threes. Um, or had one three, sorry. He shot two. Um, that was one of those where he was just firing on all cylinders. Like, he was 11 from 13 from two. <laughs> one from two from three. Like, oh my God. Um, Papi can obviously shoot the ball. But as you say, I think it's kind of been one or the other has gotten going at any given point and you really need those guys if you're going to get going especially if you're going to give the other team 80 but yeah Ramane went nuts and I think that's the thing like I came away from this like when I came on the floor I was defending on his side and my whole thing was just like all right like don't just let him roll down and take easy ones like try and get the ball out of his hands but if he's gonna like at some point he's just gonna make shots like he made one where I was like my chair was outside the three-point line, perfect position, hand up, and he made it. And I literally, like, I, like, laughed on the way back down the floor. I congratulated him, and I was like, that's a big one, because, like, yeah, you have to be able to, at some point, you have to be able to talk yourself into that being fine if you literally can't do any more. Um, you can go really far the other way and put weird things in place to just get the ball out of people's hands at some point. But, like, you have to really, really bend to do right. that and give up some other stuff. I heard a good analogy. It was about... It was about football, but it kind of applies where it's like the blanket's not big enough. You have to cover your head or your feet. Like yeah. you kind of, you can throw the kitchen sink at one person if they're doing mad stuff, but you have to give something else up. And we tried that to a certain extent. But when he's like, you chase him off the three point line, because he didn't shoot that well from two. He was four from 13 from two. But if you chase him, if you chase him inside the three point line, he can like spin back out and stop on a dime and pull it practically stationary which is not really something there are better shooters out there in the world but there's not many people who do that at that level like one of the questions i had is like who's better at stopping than alexi ramone yeah it's like the luka Doncic, which seems like a weird comparison because ramone might be as fast as anybody but yeah it's like being able to stop is a weirdly underrated skill yeah uh, harden had it in buckets like the james Hard- that was james harden's greatest skill like and you you talk about like bending to accommodate trying to defend someone like that. It's not like Ramon is a guy that you can dispatch somebody to pick up full court and be like, hey, do you mind just like keeping him under wraps and we'll play four on four? It's like, yeah, that's almost an instant man out. I think um, one of my favorite moments of this game, bearing in mind, I was cheering for Bilbao. Um, I've done the thing, I think, a couple of times in this first half of the season where it's like Ramone is the most dispiriting going on a solo fast break guy because he can catch the ball anywhere from like where he's been defending onwards and you just have to watch him like streak down court and lay it in. There was a pass where I think he'd been picked and was then trailing Asier. Asier had dished the ball off and the pass back to Asier went behind him. And Ramone tipped it, and he must he sprinted from like the three point line he'd been defending, chased the ball down. I was like, "There's no way he's getting that," and he picked it up inside the key and managed to shake his hips into just like a regular layup, as if he was doing a layup drill. I was like, "What is going on?" Like, anyone I, else even attempting that would have been injured trying to pick the ball up at that speed. Never mind getting a clean layup out of it. Yeah, I actually I said he's not getting there. 
the exact same way as I was watching it. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, that's Alexi Ramon. Of course he is. But yeah, yeah, like he's obviously been on a tear. Like he's had a handful of 30 point games in a row. So anyone coming into this game is going to shape their game plan around that. And Grand Canaria are kind of at the point where they still roughly try and play the way that they did yeah, for a handful we... of years. And it's like obviously losing two of the best players in the league over the last handful of years yeah. will change that. But I thought Luigi shot the ball well enough. Obviously, 11 from 19, mostly just on weak side spot-ups. And Raul's been really good in the last couple of weeks, especially last week, but kept him pretty quiet. And yeah, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, Ramon, I went nuts. Like, I didn't... There were, like, a handful of little mistakes, but, like, by and large, when I was defending him, I was like, I think I'm doing about as well as I would want to or need, no, could expect yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like I was just like, I'm trying to get him off the three point line, but if he beats me there, swivels his hips coming up the floor on the left side, and managed to manages to like turn 180 degrees with his hips and shoot a three, and it goes in. <laughs> so no worries, man. But yeah, it wasn't enough. More power wasn't enough to get it done. Yeah, I thought just to wrap this one up. I thought the differentiating factor really was there was almost no portion of this game where like either team was searching for how to get their offense started. Um, but I thought it felt like every time you guys created the advantage and drew help, it was generally an inside look, be it Asier feeding Papi or Chema primarily. And it felt like you mentioned Luigi just there, but it did feel like every time Grand Canaria created the kind of five on four, it ended up just swing, swing, weak side spot up. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. But the reason you're getting that is because the floor balance for what Gran Canaria put out there isn't great. Um, yeah, you're leaving four points total on a weak side yeah. the majority of the time. And they made some changes, like they rotated Raul to the weak side at one point to kind of change the look up, which I was like, oh, okay, nice, fair enough. But once again, like me noticing it or me seeing it or anyone else seeing it and be like, oh, that's interesting. But then once you've noticed it, you're fine. Like. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Like if you're used to rotating or like not rotating from someone in the middle and then all of a sudden they're weak side, like you get maybe two freebies until you realize what's going on. And then you're like, oh, wait, now we just talked, yeah. we have one conversation about this and it's fine. Yeah. So I thought this game was really just the the kind of proof of letting the numbers bear themselves out over the course of 40 minutes. And you guys routinely got higher percentage shots off of your offenses. Yeah. And that that's off of you guys defending each other in relatively similar ways. Um, exactly. Yeah, you guys just got better looks out of it, I think. Yeah. Um, I once again want to repeat Asier with 29, 14, and 8. <laughs> what are we doing? But that is like the Asier thing where it's like, it's very methodical. It's very... A and if not A, then B, and if not B, then C. Like yeah. it is very like you can't stop both things. I like and that's kind of how he thinks about things. Like I had a conversation with him about something where it was like, hey, they can't stop you left and right at the same time. Like some people might be able to, but like, um, but yeah, he he got going and the whole team plays better when he gets going, obviously, because that's how he plays. Like he wants to sort of he wants to share it out, but yeah. Yeah, big game from him. Papi came along for the ride. Um, big Ramone again, but hard to hard to play against a team that are giving you two thirty point games. Yeah, definitely. Right, shall we move on to the next one?
Yeah, talking about scoring 30-something points. No, um, I'm just trying to find <laughs> segues. Uh, Vigo, 58. Joventut, 39. So I was fully expecting this one to be uh, Agustin Lejos being like, I'm just going to post up anybody who comes within my sight. And he kind of threatened to do that, but then I think Vigo realised early doors that this is one of those games where Jason Betancourt is, he's typically fighting a bit of an uphill battle in terms of chair skills and mobility against other bigs, but not so much in this game. And he was, there is no two players could have sat on each other's shoulders to try and contest any of his looks. And they just fed him and fed him and fed him. He was 11 from 19. He had 24. Might be the most any Agostin teammate has had since Romo left. I imagine that's the case. Um, yeah, maybe. Did they, did Betancourt not have a similarly big game last week? Possibly. I don't think he had 24. He might have had something close. Yeah, um, I don't remember. My brain is mush. But yeah, he, <laughs> he's, come, he's coming along, man. And he's um, like... Jovantut, not the staunchest of opponents, obviously, but Vigo getting 24 from him and 22 from Alejos, and then a couple of sixes from the other guys in Julio Villas and um, Basti Cole. But yeah, not like the most dominant Vigo performance in the entire world, but they've notched two wins between last weekend and this weekend, and they only had one win previously, despite a streak of close games. So I dare say they're not in the mood to be picky about how much they should have won this one by. Yeah, I just checked and he had 22 last week. I knew I wasn't losing my mind, but um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was watching this and kind of I was one of these where I saw the score before I watched it and I would have expected, I would have expected maybe a bigger scoreline, but this was very get them at arm's length, keep them there yeah. <laughs> sort of stuff. Like, I don't know fairly easily done in the end just quality wins out but yeah it's cool to see Betancourt uh, out there um, yeah, think- being efficient and smashing because I don't know the world, world wheelchair basketball needs more giants yeah it's um, I thought it was kind of it was the story of this game I thought every time there was like a rough um, Vigo offensive stretch it was kind of Right, what should we do to get ourselves going? Oh, we've got the two biggest guys in the game. Like, one of those will shoot over somebody and it'll be, be fine. Apart from this interesting statistical nugget, that the score in the third quarter was 5-6 in in favour of Joe Mentor. It's like, hey, come on, guys. I know we keep doing the week before Christmas joke, but this is getting a little bit out of hand here. Were they watching a DVD mid-game? They had Shrek on the sideline. <laughs> I don't know. I, I always think of it being Shrek, even though it was definitely never Shrek because but, Shrek came out 2001 or something. Yeah, it's that kind of thing where it's like, okay, will the teacher be like, yes, okay, there's maybe a bad word or two in here, but I can probably get away with letting you watch this one. Fun fact of the day. It's neither fun or it potentially oh, isn't a fact either, but I... <laughs> What a terrible way to start a sentence. But I've read that, do you know the Disney movie, The Prince of Egypt? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, apparently anyone who messed up while animating that movie was sent down to work on some new DreamWorks animation in the early 2000s. And 
it was as it was seen as a punishment because animating was apparently really difficult at that point, and it was known as being Shrek, <laughs> which is great. So yeah, all That's right, should we move on? God's sake, right? Uh, this was fun. Uh, Fundación Aliados by the lead sixty eight, Madiba sixty seven. Pay your players. Um, after overtime, we should point out. Yes, after overtime. So. This the end of this game was on the end of regulation was on just after we had come off court and I don't know this could be a referendum on fouling when you're up three with one possession to go for yeah. God's sake like <laughs> full transition as well like you could have just nobbled someone at any point in like ninety feet um well sixty odd I guess but um yeah you had a lot of space to maybe file someone I there was an attempt at one point like. Um, maybe it was one pointer. Um, Tinin tried to get there, and I don't think could, but or maybe it just looked like he did, but it looked like he was trying. But yeah, man, you give someone who has had more than one game that he's taken like 15 threes, <laughs> um, <laughs> a chance for that when you're down three with five seconds to go, like, I don't know. You're gonna get hurt. You're gonna get burned. But yeah, that was a big one, man. Yeah. So the last few seconds, um, I think it, the last Madiba point to put them up three was a free throw by Jose Leap. Yeah, Jose Leap doing yeah. the like, don't like the. I don't know. You could have called an extra timeout and been like, don't file him, don't file him, don't file him, yeah. don't file him. That was the one, and he shot two pairs of free throws down the end of the stretch. But I don't remember which one this was. But it was one offense where it seemed like. He had the ball in his hands and everyone else was just sprinting to the basket, which I was like, this is terrible news. <laughs> Everyone's just going to try and go one-on-one and cut against a pretty big team. Yeah, But it did mean that they didn't, it doesn't look like they did it on purpose, but it did mean that they were left on an island. What, someone was left on an island one-on-one with uh, Leap, and that is not where you want to be when you're in the bonus in a tied game. <laughs> yeah, Um and that it, the rescuing shot that you alluded to was Fabian Romo basically getting the ball in semi-transition and banking in a three with yeah. about five seconds left. Uh, he was three from 12 on three, so he'd been two from 11 prior to that. He banked that one, and we're almost certain he called bank because he's a friend of the podcast. Um, and they... <laughs> Absolutely didn't, but... Can you can you say he called overtime? <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, they went in. They went to Salvador Sandoval for the post up, and CJ Grogan got a hand on that as they inbounded it. So that set it up for overtime, and then it was eleven ten in the overtime. So it was a pretty high scoring five minutes to say that it had been fifty seven all after forty minutes. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, I thought. Madiba had five guys play the entire game, so four quarters and overtime. John Hernandez absolutely brute forced everybody on Viadolid and had 39 points. Unbelievable. On 24 um shot attempts and 14 free throws. So he was more than more than involved. And yeah, it looked it like is overly simplistic to say of a game of this level of drama, but it's kind of the proof of why the whole hero ball thing is really tough to sustain because if you're playing that for 40 minutes against a team that's running their stuff, chances are they can carry on running that stuff more effectively for five additional minutes than 
you can carry on trying to brute force your way through it. Um, and I thought they did a better job on John in the overtime period. But yeah, he might be legitimately the first person all season to have more points than Dirk Passavan in a week where Trier won their game. I don't know if that's a stat or not, but it feels like it might be true. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that is a stat, but um, if no, let us know because that would be interesting. But yeah, um, and obviously, I feel like we've spoken about some other guys, but uh, Adrian Perez making a layup to actually win the game. Yeah, and then them going down the other end. Salvador Sandoval didn't really help a lot. He was four from seventeen. It was a weird one because I couldn't believe it. Like I was watching the game and I think he had. He made two shots in the first quarter and then made one in the second, one in the fourth. I was like, oh, this is this is a tough gig. But yeah, he blew a layup to tie it, or no, to win it, sorry, um, over the ring. So that's 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 tough. But yeah, as you say, playing 45 minutes against a very good team, maybe just mentally you're not there. But also, I was looking at this game and it was tighter than I thought it would be. Obviously, Madiba have the talent to have someone score high 30s and make a difference. But if you look at the lineup information, which I love going to, like the lineups that they run with, like their normal starting lineup, either with Yelmer or CJ, were both in the plus. Like it was just everything else. Like they tried to do some weird. Um, yeah, these Alessandrini and. Uh, Robert. Yeah, they, they didn't start Maxi for some reason. And he, it was a pretty quiet Maxi game, but he played 27. Like, yeah. um, he also had four fouls in 27 minutes. So I dare say that was just him like bursting at the seams to get out there and play. And then he was like, right, I'm going to get physical with somebody. But yeah, like yeah. obviously, a lot of the times things like this happen, there's context that we don't know. Like maybe someone wasn't feeling great or like I was carrying a bit of an injury or whatever. But like you look at this stuff and you're like, oh, you went to overtime and the two guys that normally start, like all your games were plus eight. You probably would have been fine with your starters, but that's not to take a massive amount away from Madiba, who did a pretty good job to take this to overtime and. Obviously, some clutch free throws in there from Jose Leap and whatever, but yeah, man. Yeah, I thought... Going a layup to win a game in overtime is a tough look. Yeah, I thought the starters thing was interesting because as good as Vidal would have been in the first half of the season, I don't think anyone would accuse them of being particularly deep. No. They Realistically, they've got like five guys that they're keen to play and then they have to put a one out there to make it work. Uh, obviously, Lachlan Dalton is theoretically arriving at some point, so that's a bit of reinforcement. But yeah, you would imagine there's something else to this one because there would be no other reason for them to decide not to go with their regular starting lineup against Madiba. Have now kind of proved that they can rough and tumble their way into a game with most competent teams. So this wouldn't be a game to get cute and mess around with if you didn't have to. Yeah. I don't know, like I keep forgetting Lachlan Dalton's coming and I can't wait for the whole league to have what all of us at the three on three had, which was just like, who, who is this guy and what in God's name is happening? Why is he like, why is he just an absolute killer? Yeah. But yeah, excited to have more killers in the league, obviously. Yeah. Right. Should we head to Germany? Yes. All right. 
First game we're going to talk about is Rhine River Rhino 71, Hamburg 43. So this started very badly for ha- for uh, Rhinos. They were 12 nil down at one point. And I was like, what is happening? Yeah. So the, the, remain, the remaining game from that point onwards was 71-31. Exactly. And had you told me that was the score of the game, I wouldn't have been massively surprised. So it was pretty good of them to give up a free 12 points. Um, yeah, I don't know. I do this thing when I watch games like this that are 30, 40-point games or whatever when we're watching them just to say that we've watched them and so that we have stuff to talk about. I'm really, really watching for the bit that the game gets blown open. But this was just like a couple of minutes of things not clicking. And then, oh, yeah, Rhinos are a far better team than Hamburg. Yeah. And they got the job done. Like, you know, after those 12, after those minutes of 12 0, it was like, oh, yeah, this, the rest of this game is about what you'd expect, as you say. Yeah. Um, Aaron Young with 30. And if you look at her breakdown of her scoring, she had 12 in the second quarter, which you talk about breaking the game open. It didn't look massively broken open at that point because it had been 12 nil to start but I, that was the quarter where rhinos were kind of like okay we're here now and it was very much upward trajectory from that point onwards i mean we we talk about breaking the game open to say it was 12 nil it was still only 20 to 15 to end the first quarter so as soon as that 12 nil got cleared it was very much trending rhinos from that point onwards yeah, next quarter fourteen. Um, yeah, yeah, like, oh no, sorry, um, nineteen. There you go. Like, I don't know. They also at one point they took Moji Kamali out, who was having a tough time because I think he was just trying to. I think when you play against your old team, maybe there's something like that. But he was like flying around and trying to do a lot, and they that, that just sounds like Moji Kamali in every game. I know, but like sometimes it works. But it's the thing of like, can you like keep it? Can you you keep it at like 95% rather than like 101%? Do you think, based on what you said about there must be something to go against your old team, do you think if someone who'd never watched him before just like dropped into every Moji Kamali game this year was like, ah, he must have played for this team as well? Ah, yes, he's like a madman. The Jay Crider. But no, (laughs) um, yeah, they pulled him out, went with Heiss. And I don't know, at one point, because they were kind of going power side, um, mid in the middle and Jim on the weak side with Aaron and it was like at one point they stuck Jim in the middle and kind of went two power sides and it was like okay stop this I dare you because um, obviously Jim spotting up in the middle is is not an issue for most teams offences Um, but yeah that kind of got them going a little bit and then I don't know I thought Chris Hooper did a good job as well he came in and yeah I think he's actually been he's been quietly pretty good Oh yeah, he, I think Jim is like way more visible because he sometimes like plays the shooting role or he like has the inside finishes off the help. But I think Chris Huber doesn't. Well, Rhinos kind of have two ones who don't really make mistakes ever, which is a luxury that very few teams have. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think obviously having two ones there would have been a thing that they would have played a bit more of, depending on if all their players were there or not, but. I don't know. Yeah. Like I don't know if you have I don't know if you have two really good ones for the crack yeah. <laughs> most of the time. But uh yeah, this was I was expecting this game to be like tight and then a bit of a run, but it was more that Hamburg got a twelve point head start and then 
And from, blew them out. From from that point, Aaron almost matched them point for point by herself, which is pretty impressive. Yes. All right. Up next, should we cover off the Thuringen and Cologne one very quickly because there are no stats for that game. There are not. So, yeah, this one was Bulls 84 and 99ers 69. This was way, way closer than I would have said. Uh, Although Cologne did beat Rhinos going back a few weeks, so maybe they're starting to coalesce a little bit, but... I yeah, mean, they just look a little more competent than they did. Obviously, signing Frank de Jong is like one extra good player. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought this one was, at the very least, if you're Cologne, you didn't allow Durringham to do their typical thing of being like, huh, a lesser team, shall we beat them by 3,000? Um, yeah. And yeah, right, like they, they didn't bring out the Space Jam scoreboard. Yeah. Um, yeah, and this was kind of, you only have to watch the opening few minutes, but I think um, it's on the first possession, Balut Kodal gets inside and gets called for three seconds, but I think you kind of see Vahid's reaction at that point where he's like, oh, this guy's massive. And I, I just don't think it's that often that Bulls have to worry about, especially with the lower down teams, they don't really have to worry about guarding anyone with size equivalent to their own. Uh, and if there's yeah, one thing, yeah. Cologne aren't massively short on its size. So, yeah, they're able to muck it up a bit, but the game is worth a watch if anyone feels like it kind of just gets ground to attrition and, and um, throwing a pull away with general size and shooting. But I think Cologne's outside shooting lets them down in a, any event where it was like two half-court possessions in a row. is like, yeah, this is advantage bulls. Yeah. Yeah, there are like little stretches where they started getting going where they'd go like Mustafa and Kodal pick and rolls and they'd kind of go shooter and a one on the weak side. And like there was a couple of times where one would cut through or a guard would cut through along the baseline and get a layup and sort of stuff that you give up if you're not 100% switched on. And then as soon as you figure out that, oh, wait, no, we can't be giving that stuff up. We're still in the game here. Um, Yeah the better team figures it out but yeah um ended up not being much to talk about but it was kind of interesting to watch while they were staying in a game once again another another team that kind of went like 2-1-2 zone against them which i think is interesting for a little stretch but yeah during our far better team and figured it out in the end obviously as they would and yeah Kind of hard to put hard hard to put anything else out there without the stats in front of us because I forget because I watch a load of games and <laughs> I'm tired. You, you you've pulled out that I've watched a load of games thing enough now that it sounds like we're just saying it to be like no trust us we do watch these. Yeah no I'm 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 only messing around like I'm we're literally <laughs> like people listen because we're like hey we've watched eleven games this weekend and this is what we saw and this is what we find interesting, um but yeah um. I find it I find it interesting. You're like, what is maintaining them here? Why are they still in a game? And then normally when the game breaks, it isn't because the better team has some sort of massive epiphany. The better team is just like, right, should we actually should we get going here? Yeah, entirely that. Um so yeah, superior team wins, but I think if we move on to our next game. We're potentially seeing the birth of another Thuringen-esque player in Tom McHugh who loves nothing more than beating up on inferior teams or smaller teams. 
as we've talked about in the past handful of weeks. But this was uh, Sky Wheelers 41, Hanover 63, Tom McHugh with 23 on 10 of 14. And if you'd watched this game, you would think he, if you'd have watched the Bulls game and then the Hanover game, you would have thought Tom McHugh was auditioning to be like, no, trust me, I want to bring out the third digit too. <laughs> I'll be right there. Um, bring out yeah. the third digit. Jesus. All right. Uh. So Hanover just took care of business in this one. Um, It was relatively close in the first couple of quarters. Um, Skywheelers let themselves down. They only had five points in the third quarter. Hanover, I don't think this was their best offensive game generally, but they've, I mean, every lineup they put out feels like they have minimum four scoring threats. Um, and they got a good Jan Gans game in this one, which they've not had a huge number of in some of the tougher games throughout the season. So, yeah, they kind of did just enough to get by in this one. But obviously, they've, I think they would call the first half of their season a success by any stretch. And um, for sure. All they had to do in this one was take care of business against the team put in front. No Sean Norris in this game, we should point out as well. Yeah, 100%. That makes it slightly more difficult, but definitely still had enough. My question to you about Hanover United, and it was something that I was talking with someone about recently, are they the fifth best team in Europe? Um, <laughs> Let's just assume top two teams in Spain, top two teams in Germany are the top four in Europe because they have been the last handful of years in yeah. Champions Cup, and I think most people would assume. So... I'm not sure it's true, and I don't know how long you need to go before they get anointed as such. But like, if you run through it, like, are they better than Valladolid? Maybe well, this is what I've been I've been campaigning for. We need like because the top two Spanish and German teams always end up in the final four of Europe, right? We yeah. need we need the Euro League to just straighten out and be like, okay, the best two leagues are Spain and Germany. France doesn't really have a shout this year because Le Canet aren't as good. Um, Even though I saw the French League top scorers list and <laughs> match, I got 36 this week. <laughs> um, yeah, so the only two challenges to the Spain-Germany nucleus were Le Canet and Cantu. Yeah, um, Cantu look not good Cantu this year. Bad. Gillian Over just won the Italian Cup. Shout out to them. Um it's so funny that there was an Italian Cup this weekend, and that's the only thing we're going to say. But well, yeah, it's so on Italian TV. We're not legally allowed to watch it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I would say the next best team... Would you back Bilbao against Hanover if you were impartial? I mean, yeah. Um, well, no, I'm not impartial is the issue, and I don't think I can be. But I think they're there, thereabouts. Like, I don't think it's... Yeah, um, ne- for me, next... Four teams in Europe are probably in some order: Bilbao, um, Bilbao, Valladolid, Hanover, and probably Fenerbahce. I've not watched a massive amount of Turkey, but they blow everybody out in Turkey. So I yeah. think, and uh, I think Fenerbahce are also one of those teams where coming they would like come into a hypothetical tournament as a relative unknown, and nobody would be excited to play them whatsoever oh yeah no one wants any of that smoke in like a random euro cup round in february like jesus but yeah no i think that's the question was like they're definitely there thereabouts like vitally deserve to be in that conversation because they beat the brakes off us obviously if we deserve to be in there at all i think us in our actual peak obviously like i don't know if you have 
our game last weekend, hypothetically, if we play like that, we're there thereabouts. But um, and that's obviously without running David Murray's a second um when he had 35 points a game last year and was the best player in the universe. Where uh, do we rank where do we rank Burgos? <laughs> uh, above Madiba. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, um yeah. yeah. No, I just like that's the thing. Like it's probably there, thereabouts. Someone yeah. mentioned doing like a power ranking every week, and I don't want to hurt people's feelings fundamentally. So, but we've pretty much done it there. Yeah, every week is a lot. I think it would be worth like the occasional check-in. But yeah, Hanover, I would say top eight team in Europe, but I think it's too close. to Considering it's probably a bunch of teams we won't get to see play each other anytime soon, it's probably not fair to be like they're the fifth best team. Now, that's just the thing that interests me isn't so much like landing on our final order, but being like, what what is the criteria? What have Hanover done or what do they need to do for us to be like, yeah, fifth best team in Europe? Or whatever, but uh, I think that if they get an upset, it's like ridiculous to measure it off one game. But Yannick alluded to it in our last episode, and I think if Hanover land an upset win on either Thuringen or Landil, that will be the we've arrived moment, which seems stupid because they've had years of like putting a good club and program together. But yes, like it's cool was- to see, as you said, like a good club. Like it's cool to see a team kind of build this up and have a good run at doing it sustainably and by all accounts i don't know anyone we've spoken to from there seems nice so that's cool also we very much favor teams that have like three guys on the team that we've interviewed so (laughs) yeah all right sorry i was gonna say well we do but that's because there's like random pockets of english speaking and that i couldn't tell you outside of the top few german teams i think we would like the top four, maybe we would struggle to get an English speaking interview for an episode. So we'd just naturally have to be more interested in those guys. Yes. Um, yeah. I also don't want to be like, so this person, you lost by 40 today. Um, how is it going? But anyway, talking about losing by 40, should we move on to the last game? Good one. Yeah. Let's oh, do it was it. actually 40. That's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Trier 93, Essen 53. Um, sorry, yes, and I didn't even know what game I was opening next. I just have a <laughs> list of links in front of me. Um, Pasawand, Pasawand, uh, Walter Vlandian, uh, Pasawand, no, uh, 27. 27, man. Um, we, we talked about how many, um, how many an Augustine Lejos teammate had at any point this season, but 27 must be the highest non Pasawand output. Of any trio game, Corey Rossi's maybe had low twenties once or twice, I think, but twenty-seven and Walter Vlanderen does nothing but shoot layups, like literally gets the ball at the charge circle and lays it in. So if he's getting twenty, he must have made at least one free throw. Yes, he made one of two free throws. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if charts hilarious. <laughs> if twenty-seven is, let me grab a shot shot. If twenty-seven is coming from him. It's probably the sign of an immaculate game plan by Trier or an overmatched opponent, and I would lean more towards the second one in this case. Like, took a couple of shots from the perimeter, but this is very, like, good team gets to gets to basket. <laughs> like, Yeah, this is similar. This is, like, reminiscent of when Illunion played Joventut in an early game this season. It was like, oh, Amadou had 36. And it's like, yeah, hit 
you may as well like had the sharp chart of like Clippers era DeAndre Jordan, where it was like just a green dot at the basket. Yeah, man who I man who is at his best getting to basket gets to basket. Colon is at best like <laughs> cool. Uh, I also think it's funny that Passavan is. Like, I think an underrated Passavan attribute is like we saw. It, I always draw the parallels between Trier and Vigo because they're like built around a sweet shooting four or five and try and get enough guys in who can finish. But I thought it's funny that we saw them both go up against very overmatched teams this weekend. And Agostin is like, yeah, I can feed my big guy and get kind of an easy 22. And Passman was like, hey, I'm getting 35, same as every other week. Like, yeah, but also, how good do you need to be to not go below your average when you're him, though? It's yeah, yeah but also, we managed to feed a big and get going. Yeah, but. um, yeah. So I, that always cracks me up because he's just like he's just the most relentless. Say so you you wouldn't call his play style relentless in like the same way that you would like we're laughing about Moji Kamali just there, but mm-hmm. Pasavan is just like yep. Yeah, why would I do anything other than roll down the wing? And if I have a millimeter of daylight, this is going up. Yeah. Um, doesn't need to sprint anywhere because he doesn't need to create any space to get <laughs> up. But yeah, they, I mean, they won this game with Corey Rossi only having two points, which against any real competition would be verging on the absurd. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Trier stats points of the paint 50 as a team. You know, when was the last time that happened? No. So, yeah, I mean, Hot Rolling Bears, as is typically the case, got a couple of all right performances, um, 17 from Lena Nipplemeyer and eight from Tim Van Ramsdong, but oh, nine from Abraham Malmo as well. But they just, I mean, they don't have the talent on the best of days, never mind when obviously the best player in the game is coming in and showing no chill. Yeah, it's yeah, it's tough. Like that's how this game should go. Yeah. So right. shout out to Trier, man. I'm glad to see them go. There's nothing I love more than a Trier win, be it against overmatched team or like an upset. It's just like the same formula in every single win. And yeah. Something very comforting about that. Yeah, it's a thing of like, okay, well, I'm going to like 40. <laughs> so whether we get to 55 or 94 is on the rest of you guys <laughs> but yeah all right so i think that's I think that's us is it that's us um We've tied up the last week of the season so shall we put our belt nominations forward because we might need to post these for the public to decide on because i think we've got two nominees you see, I don't like this because I don't want anyone to have any sway in this apart <laughs> from us. I love that it's just completely, all right, completely uh, nebulous. So, Mark, let's would you just like decide to put between forward... the two of us then. We'll all right, would you like to put forward your your candidate? So, my candidate is our first ever belt co-holders of mm. uh, um, Fabian Romo and CJ Grogan for the aforementioned game tying three and game saving steal. Uh, I also think it was pretty symbolic of Vidalid's surprisingly good start to the season, and it would be cool to give it to those guys, given that I think last week we kind of reset the belt criteria a little bit in rewarding the moment, and we're giving it to those guys who not only had a game-saving play on each end, but are also like 
friends and have a long history. I think think that's what the belt's all about rather than raw statistics. Ah, so we're giving it out for friendship now, are we? Well, yeah. Is it a little? You're like, yeah, and all the other stuff I just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do, do you want to give out little friendship bracelets? Yeah, I'm absolutely not disparaging either of those guys either, obviously. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you weren't disparaging friendship bracelets. I was like, well, if you're not, then you should. Uh, no, I'm also not. Do whatever you want. Like six-year-old girls giving them around at school. Losers. No, I'm joking. Also, yeah, everyone. Yeah, everyone who listened to this knows I'm a fan of both of those guys. But my candidate uh, is the captain of my team, <laughs> Asier Garcia, because he had 29 points, 14 assists, and eight rebounds. On 11, no, 12 from 15 shooting overall, 11 from 13 from two. He shot 85% from two and 50 from three. Yeah. Okay. And we're talking about some other people. Um, to be fair, winning a game in overtime is important as well, but I don't know. Um, do you have a coin with you? We'll do it. I actually have one pretty close. Will I? Will I? We'll do, our, coin? we'll do our first ever belt decided by a coin flip. I feel okay with it. And then, if you win, do we have to flip one again, or what's the deal? Yes. Okay. I, I will. Flip no, the, no, we're doing we're doing co-holders. If I win. Okay. So heads, I win. Tails, you win. Okay. Let's right. Go. Heads. <laughs> Do you want proof? It's all right. I believe you. And all also, right. I don't think anyone else cares if they've hung around to this point in the podcast. <laughs> no. Um, I also just think that I've just dropped a load of stuff looking for a coin. But um, I also think it would be hilarious that we're debating either like posting two people so that they could both potentially share it, two guys that have been on here um, and like, I think listening every so often and share our stuff and whatever, or a guy who might not even know the podcast exists, even <laughs> though I see him six days. I was going to say, despite the fact you regularly tell him he should listen in, it'll be great. I don't tell him that. I don't tell him what to do. He tells me what to do. <laughs> Everyone knows the gig. I'm going to say, if, if we were cut into the chase here, we could have just been like, ah, yeah, gets the belt because he tells James what to do. Yeah. He doesn't want it. He won't even, yeah. Um, he doesn't even follow me on Instagram. Never mind the podcast. <laughs> but no. Uh, uh... Right, well, we do the announcement that has to be listed as one of his like accolades. <laughs> doesn't follow James. I, I think that's a lie, so we can't say that. Um, but yeah. All right. Correct. So this might be our last podcast for the end of the year. I'm yeah. not sure. We're not yeah. sure yet. We're trying to figure out if there's anything worth talking about because we want to pump out stuff that's worth pumping out rather than just filling your guys time but if anyone's dying for us to just waste time let us know when we might figure it out yeah we did put out um on instagram today asking if anyone had any ideas for like a fun a fun episode we're not going to do a guest interview in our usual thursday slot next week because we're not going to bother people over christmas and all that stuff um so if anyone's got any ideas they would like just get in touch if anyone actually does want to be interviewed and is prepared for us to do not a great deal of prep then hit us up yeah Um, anyone just wants to come on and talk some crap for a while please outside of that we'll most likely be back in the new year and 
covering the second half of the season and yes. watching a whole load more games and talking to a whole load more people. And don't know about you, but I wouldn't have it any other way apart from when I realize I still have half the games to watch on a Monday morning. Oh, yeah, no, that terrifies me every so often. I'm like, so I just have these three games that I don't know where to find them uh, to watch. But no, um, and I think I probably speak for both of us, but definitely myself when I say that I really enjoy doing this. And like to anyone who's listening at this point, actually, thanks for tuning in every week because I think we both get a great amount of satisfaction and meaning from the very, very small community that we've kind of got here and yeah have a great christmas if you celebrate christmas if not have a nice time with your family and friends and stay warm and stay safe and yeah enjoy the next couple of weeks is there any one person you want to give a shout out to before we leave no what about you shout out to yelma's dad that will be all